Well, thank you for being here. Thank you for jumping in and uh, wanting to do this. You know, uh, we don't know each other and, and it looks like we talk about a lot of the same stuff. So I bet. Yeah. I'm excited to dig in. Um, just real quick. I just really do conversational style things. I don't, I don't have a ton of questions. I look through your media sheet. There's a bunch of stuff we could dive into. Um, there's a couple of things that I'm super fascinated by. Selfishly, I do this to learn for myself. I'm hundred percent, bro. Hundred percent. This is this is for me to learn. And if I'm learning something, then I my assumption is other people will too. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So we, just, we just jump in and 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 get into it. I'm a. I'm fascinated to hear your story because I, I have this this uh, this newfound sort of theory that the bigger the person and the more tattoos they have, the softer they are. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that is my experience at this more, and, and I don't mean soft like we can't handle ourselves, but right darkness. There's this quote I saw. I have it on a T-shirt. It says, "Darkness is a hell of a coach." And, mm. and that resonated, Ooh, I like that. <laughs> it resonated with I me love... for sure. Um, I'm writing that one down, Keith. <laughs> it's good. I dig it. Uh, and it's just what I found. Like the more people I talk to that look like they've been through some stuff, they're usually more humble. They're usually more understanding. They usually got a little bit more, they definitely have more grace and compassion. Mm. Um, because they've they figured it out right yeah dude i i can absolutely relate with that in fact so so this one here is truth right and then this one is grace truth and grace and and for me i love jesus and so i need both right i need i need both truth and grace but my when i first started uh my my relationship with the lord man it was i was total hardcore pharisee and sadducee bro i was totally legalistic totally like oh man dude i was man i was had my my holy robes on my holy gavel dude judging everybody and you know what i mean and and then and then god allowed me to go through i call it the hell phase and then and then he taught me about about this this the g word called grace (laughs) and i'm like oh minor detail (laughs) hilarious i have on this arm i have the word obey which was legit, you know, not necessarily in a religious connotation, but it was, it was for me, like I grew up in a, in a, in a pretty strict Catholic home. Yeah. And, and as soon as I was old enough to walk away from the church, I did. Mm. (laughs) It didn't make sense what I was being taught. Right. Didn't align with what was being done to me or what was being like, there was this tension there and I just didn't vibe with, I couldn't figure it out. That's right. uh, I mean, it's so funny we were going in this direction because this wasn't in my notes, but um, like I returned back to church like two and a half years ago and wow. it's been, it's been an extremely humbling experience to go, man, I spent the last 20 years just full of arrogance and full of pride and mm. thinking I knew more than God and thinking I, I understood why there were perceived contradictions and really just had to humble myself and you know it's funny my eight year old daughter who's 10 now for a year dad can you take me to church will you take me to church can we go to church and i was just like you know no no like 
I figure if I kick this thing down the road far enough, she'll she'll let it go. Yeah, she never did. And so I took her, and the first time we went back to church was just me and her. And, and I've got a big family; we've got eight kids, and I've been with my wife twenty five years. So I think we got some similarities there in the that's marriage, awesome marriage thing. And it was just my daughter and I, and and I checked her into the kids' wing, and they went and did their thing. And I sat in the back of the church and just cried, and was wow. like, "What? Like I'm home." Wow. Just about it too. <laughs> like right. Yeah. I don't want to be. I don't want to have to accept that I've had this wrong for so long. Oh. So I'm right there with you, man. I get it. And I think <clears throat> I think sometimes you just know. Like I came across your profile and was like, I want to talk to this dude. He's got wow. he's got some wisdom and some things. And you just connect, right? You just see somebody. Yeah, that's right. I feel like there's some things that's we could right. talk about. So yeah, dude. Yeah, man. So I definitely am in alignment with that. And I lived way too long in truth. And it was all about like, well, I'm not wrong, am I? But there was zero grace. Like, and it wasn't helpful. It's like, I might be right, but is it helpful? Right. <laughs> is it, am I am I being supportive or am I just being legalist? I'm, I'm, I'm right. Right. That's right. Yeah, that's right, dude. I, 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 you know, I'll bust out a, 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 a old school Gandhi quote, right? The big Gandhi, he said, um, he said, man, I, I am all about uh, Jesus. I'm all about him. I'm just not all about his Christian, the followers. Yep. So much, right? It, it's yep. we, we, we're, we, we jack up. How many people have I met, dude, that like you, right, falling away from the church, from their faith, da da, da but not because of of who God is. It's because of all the jacked up people yeah. that are representing him that are ate it up like a soup sandwich. Um, and, and, and I don't mean that like there, you know, but like, here's another dude, check this quote out. So I was, I was um, talking to this big baller consultant. She's a big baller, you know, multimillionaire consultant lady and, and uh, for like 30, 40 years. And, and she's like, noble man, like, She's like, dude, you you talk more about God, like you talk more about God and business in the same conversation than anybody that I've, that I've ever heard before. And I said, well, that's how I, you know, I live my life, right? Is is kind of one of the same. And he's like, and she's like, um, she's like, but you know, and, and you're, you know, I hear you talking about the, you know, the Bible and and starting a relationship with Jesus and stuff. He's like, but she's like, she said, but why? She's like, my life is more dialed in than every Christian that I know, except for you. Like yeah. every Christian that I know is miserable. And, and I, and she's like, and I'm happy. I, my, my finances are scored away. My relationships are scored away. My, my family scored away. Like I got, I, I I'm, I'm happy as a clam. The most, some of the most miserable people I know are Christians. And I'm like, man, like, again, what, like what a testimony, like what, yeah. you know, first uh, John 2 6 whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did like when people see me living can they is there can they make a correlation like man maybe this there's something different about this dude you know what I'm saying no I totally get it and I think you know it's so fascinating because it kind of leans into the topic we'll we'll eventually get to uh you know the emotional intelligence piece because I was talking to my daughter, I, I, you know, I got a bunch of kids and, and my oldest is 20, turns 24 on Saturday, tomorrow. And she's getting ready to leave home and she's going to travel and she's going to do a bunch of stuff. And one of the things that she was concerned about is like where she travels to, 
well, how do I deal with like people who have different political ideas or there's parts of the country she's maybe not wanting to go to because they don't align with her and her own beliefs. And I said, you know, what's really fascinating and something I think that you'll discover is that you won't have a problem with people like individuals. You people are amazing. People suck. <laughs> right. Right. Like, right. Like all the, all the, all the different political ideologies and faith walks and, and cultures that I've dealt with on an individual basis, two, three, four small group people. I've never had a problem with a person. Right. And then you get into these camps, you get into these polarities and all this binary, you know, it's red or blue or vax or no vax or mask or no mask or, you know, tattoos or no tattoos. tattoos. <laughs> you know, I watched the office. Well, I don't like the, like, it's like all of a sudden, like everybody's gotten so into like, I must be right. And if you're not with me, you're against me. And I'm like, for me, I really feel like it is a tremendous lack of the emotional intelligence to go. I, I'm, I'm secure in who I am. And I hope you're secure in who you are. Let's go grab a cup of coffee, even though I think that one idea of yours is fucking crazy. hundred percent, hundred percent, bro. I, and so how do we get people like, like, I love what you, and, and I love what you do because I feel like it's similar to what I do. I mean, you're doing a full-time job. This is more of a outlet for me, but like moving people in that direction of like the middle ground, like the, you know, I'm a Jesus follower and, but I spent a lot of time in Eastern philosophy and like sure. the concept of like the middle way is very attractive to me mm. because that's what, and I think that's what Jesus taught was, was, you know, I won't condemn you and said no more. <laughs> like, right. I'm right. Not you, but like knock it off. Right. 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 Versus what I think so many other people are like, is like, I absolutely condemn you and cancel culture, which is something I'd love to hear your thoughts on. Um, so I know I just threw a lot at you, but, but. Like, yeah. So I think what's fascinating is that, that, that we did it in two years, right? In two years, we, we went now, not to, like we're tribal, right? People are tribal. So 100%. if, as long as you look like me, like, in fact, I did a video a while back a year or two ago, um, you know, when the, the big black movement was going on real hot and heavy with George Floyd and that kind of thing. Cause I, I I've got a truckload of black friends. Like, like yep. it, when I was in North Carolina, like I was the minority, right? Most of my homies were black and, and stuff. Yeah. So, so I got tons of black friends. So, so, uh, but, but the thing is, the thing is that, you know, oh, you know, racism is, you know, blacks versus whites, whites versus blacks, dude, racism has been going on since there's been two or more people, right? Cain versus Abel, right? I mean, you, you know, right. This, this is, dude, talk, talk to my Dominican friends on how they dig Haitians and how much Haitians dig Dominicans or tr call, call a Dominican a Puerto Rican. Yeah. <laughs> right? I, I spent right? time in the DR and they, they were explaining to me, like, you can't go past this part of the, the island. And I was like, why not? And they're like, well, you'll get shot. And I'm like, oh, Y'all are on the same island and it's the size of my backyard. Like, what are you fighting over? Like, like, right? But it's differences, right? It's differences. So there's yeah. no doubt that that people and human beings are tribal. There's no doubt about that. That being said, this, I mean, since I've been alive, 
uh, it is the first time since I've been alive where since you don't look like me or walk like me or talk like me or dress like me or think like me, you are my enemy. And, and yeah. therefore, you know, you know, you, you need to disappear or whatever. It's the first time in my life. And, and, you know, to your, to your, one of your other points that you made, there's no doubt that the emotional health and emotional intelligence of the nation sucks, right? How many people have been trained on how to acknowledge, identify, process, and manage their own emotions and the emotions of other people. None of us have been trained on this stuff, but yet, lottie dottie, everybody has got feelings and emotions. And what's crazy is, so then you throw in a little, and, and again, I'm a business guy, so I get it, but but the, the dynamic of the, the media, right? The media and social media. I'm sure you watched that documentary on Netflix on the social media, the social dilemma. Yeah, yeah. And, and and one of the quotes from one of the big giant social media executives is a, a, a false information lies, sells, it gets seven times more engagement than the truth does. Yeah. So why on earth, if I'm a business guy and I, the only thing I want to do is make more money and buy more houses and buy more cars and buy more planes, why yeah. on earth would I would I try and sell the truth? Yeah. Heck no, man. It it's crazy to me. I just read a, a article by Matt Taibbi uh, on Substack talking about fact checkers aren't checking facts. They're comparing narrative. And if it doesn't mm. align with the narrative, and they've admitted it, they've said, well, yes, the information here is factually true, but the people who are sharing it are controversial. And therefore, we're afraid that the people reading it or the people that are being exposed to it aren't receiving it the way in, in which it was designed and i'm like so what you basically just said is people are stupid and they're not able to critically think which i think critical thinking is is at risk but i mean they openly say we're not fact checking facts the facts are accurate it just doesn't align with the narrative that we're trying to push wow which is, which is what you just said like we're we're the lie sells and the number of people i've talked to in the last year or two and you're right like I don't think it's happened in two years. I think this was all sort of like bubbling over and and the circumstances of the last two years have given us or given a lot of people permission mm -hmm. to draw some lines in the sand that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise done. But I, like the idea that, or the number of people I've talked to in the last two years who have said, yeah, I saw that article, but I didn't read it. I just read the headline and I'm like, the amount of context and the amount of nuance that is missing in those 14 words in the headline, right? it is right. often like less than accurate is that's all, you know, and you believe that to be the truth. You don't believe it to be possible. You believe it to be absolute. And right. like, that's sort of always been my thing is like, once you start to formulate a belief, and I, 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 this was Eckhart Tolle that, that I read this from. He said, once you start to formulate a belief and you believe that X is true, then that means that every other option is untrue or not possible. Right. Like, think of the arrogance in that. Think of the arrogance in that you know something is absolutely factual, even when you know, like, people on January 6th did bad things. But that doesn't mean that everyone who was engaged in some level of civil discourse committed a crime or tried to over, like there's nuance there like there's gray and we don't 
Well, so the dynamic, so what, what puts, what changes, what changes the dynamic of, of the fact that we're already, you know, we pop out of the womb kind of semi-tribal. And that's maybe even not be accurate because like you see two, a black baby, a brown baby, and a white baby all playing together like it's nothing but a thing, but a chicken wing on a string at Burger yeah. King, right? It's, They're just hanging it's, out. It's, that's exactly right. So, but... So anyway, so there there is some some you know research and stuff based on the hey we're travel okay so got it but here's what here's what changes the game what changes the game is when you throw fuel on the fire and from a human being perspective what is fuel what's gasoline and that's emotion so and what's one of the most powerful emotions out there is fear yeah right you th- oh big bald guys. Are, are, are going to give me some sort of disease of whatever, o- Omicron, baldish, you know, whatever, right? Whatever yeah. the thing is. And now all of a sudden, like, oh, my gosh, I see a bald guy. Like, I'm going to get cooties from him and I'm going to die. We're all going to die. And it's like, like you, dude, you throw in fear. And, it's, and here's the thing. I talk about this all the time. Is that when you get – and this is physiological. This is facts, right? And I'll, here's my disclaimer. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a therapist, whatever. But here, based on a lot – four years of me researching this stuff, what happens is when we get emotional to the point that we get – so the extreme version of, 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 of getting hit with our emotions is called emotionally hijacked. That's kind of the term. When you yeah. get emotionally hijacked, it, it, you physiologically – physiologically get dumber and the reason why is because your brain get when it gets flushed when the systems gets flushed with emotions our brains go to survival mode which is fight flight or freeze yep. so you you only have three windows in your you know i've got i've got the fight move you know window i've got the flight window or i've got the freeze window that's it those yep. are the yep. only options Right when you get emotionally hijacked, and again, how many? So this is so. Check this out. So so something my wife just started. Dude, this is super interesting. My wife just started a podcast on Monday of this week, bro. Monday of this week, and and she's already got twenty eight hundred, almost three thousand downloads in in five. Dude, since month so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, in five days, bro. And it's a it's a it's a podcast on how to think, really, right? So when you learn, it's called filter it through a brain cell. Is is the name of the podcast? When you learn how to think and you learn how to manage your emotions, now Fox and CNN and MSNBC and all the big media power guys, to include the government, they can throw any kind of emotional drama and fear and. Oh, bald guys are like whatever the, their their fear stories yeah. are, right? And and because now I know how to manage my emotions and think critically, dude, I, I I'm not playing your game, right? Yeah. I'm not, you know what I'm saying? No, hundred percent. I think it's really, I think it's really fascinating, and like the mental health, emotional conversations. You know, in our business, my wife and I, we work with essential oils. We help families with health and wellness. We did a poll recently to ask if they wanted to learn, you know, putting together our our class schedules and things like that. We're like, you want to learn about, you know, children and and this or that. And we brought up emotions and mental health. 
And we did it intentionally because emotions and mental health, in my opinion, are the same thing. You can't have one without the other. More people wanted to talk about mental health than they did about their emotions. Wow, interesting. And, and to me, it was it was a bit of a interesting dynamic to go, okay, well, we're going to talk about emotions anyway because your mental health is based on your emotions, right? But it's taken us a while to figure out sort of what that felt need is because we've done a ton of work and and I think we live fairly well in this space. And I mean, we always can do better. We can always learn more. We can always increase our emotional intelligence. But the pandemic has not wrecked us the way that it's wrecked so many other people. And I think part of that was divine intervention on our on god's part in our own lives because we've homeschooled our kids for decades we're self-employed so there's like these systems that are that are used to fill us up with fear that we don't play in and so when everything started going crazy we were like well all right we're just at home like we've always been we're working from home like we've always done so you know we did some webinars to help some of our friends. Like, here's how you homeschool. If you want to pull out of that system, here's how you entrepreneurial stuff. Here's how you work from home. Here's some things you can do to help work from home when your five-year-old is bugging you and things like that. But we've been outside that system and it's only been in like this last eight or 10 months of this, this dynamic we've had that I recognize like it is because we don't participate in these systems that I don't get inundated with the narrative. And, you know, I mean, I had we're, a- we're, we're not in the matrix. I'm not in the matrix. I'm not in the matrix. And like, I had a, I had a fairly, you know, my, my in-laws and I would get along really, really well. And recently we had a fairly um, tense moment when I just said, guys, turn off the F and T, like stop watching the news. Stop watching it. Oh, no, no, no. We were just, I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm like, I'm not trying to be cute. I'm telling you, like, it's impacting your mental health because I can feel the panic and the fear and the, and there's nothing to fear. And, and it was fascinating to watch sort of the dynamics in that and me getting triggered. I had to recognize I was getting angry and it wasn't their fault. I was just like recognizing oh, this is a thing that I do not allow in my life because I recognize it's danger. Mm. And then here's these people I love who haven't gotten it yet. And and how do I manage them into it gently instead of just yelling at them and going, just turn the fucking thing off. That's right. That's right. That's not helpful. That's, you know, shaming them into it isn't going to work. Right, um, right. So, yeah, I mean, what's the... Like, talk about the pandemic a little bit, because I know that that's one of the things that you're, you, you've kind of really paid attention to is like, I mean, it's, it's messing people up. Well, well the, here's another dynamic, Keith, that, that's, that's, you know, so, so in using your scenario there, hey, just shut the TV off, guys. Dude, there, there's, there's an addictive power to, to fear and, and to certain emotions, right? There's, there's an addiction to it. And it's, and, you know, and, and, and this part, what I'm about to say is, is above my pay grade, but when, when you, when you live in that, when you start to allow yourself to swim 
in the emotion of, in this case, fear long enough, it, 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 it will do some changes where now that is, that is your reality. And, and so, but the, but here's the, the, the tough thing is when you have this new emotional, a, a reality based out of emotion and fear. So you, so you, you just created a new matrix for yourself. That is fear. And based on fear, your whole world, all your decisions, all your thought process, all your responses, everything is based on that the matrix of fear that you've created for yourself. When someone else, when you see someone else, when they run into a Keith or a Noble who, wait, 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 wait why, why are you not, wait, wait, do, I, I, like I can't, like, wait, 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 yeah. you, did you realize that you're, you're actually going to die and not just, not only are you going to, not only are you going to die, you're going to kill everyone else around you because you don't have a mask on right now, or you don't have the 13 vaccine boosters. That's whatever the, the new, the latest update is, right? Like you, like I, what, what I, I just, and, and it's, and here's the thing. We, we just encountered one of these people on the, on the bus. And when we went snowboarding uh, last week and I mean, dude, <laughs> it is like, she, you know, so we walk, we, we got on this bus and, you know, we, I don't ever wear a mask. I've never worn a mask unless I'm on a plane. Cause I have to, but outside of that, like, and, and, and dude, this lady, like she, she started off unhinged, right? Like at a 10, there was no, there was no like, Hey, uh, excuse me. It was, it was like, like she literally freaked out on the bus, this packed out bus, dude, we are packed out. And, and 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 oddly enough, and they had also just that same day announced that the mask mandate is no longer effective or in effect, which means evidently that you know the the um, virus has disappeared all of a sudden or whatever, yeah, right? Yeah. Whatever the whatever yeah. the things are. The, the logic has been, you know, <laughs> right, month, dude. Month, month. right? No, the law. So, but what's funny? My point is like, when you tr like, this is what I'm trying to say. When, whenever you try to have a logical, rational conversation with somebody that is emotionally hijacked, it is going to be lose, lose every single time. Because by definition, they, they, they are, they are, they're emotionally hijacked. There is no logical communication yeah. or logical thinking from somebody who is emotionally hijacked and has created themselves that, that matrix, that infrastructure of fear. Right. It's, it's so, so anyway, it's, um, and, and, and what's, what's amazing is because it's a, the, you want to talk about the, you want to talk about the, uh, the contagious, you want to talk about, let's talk about something that's contagious. Dude, let me tell something that is, that is a thousand times more contagious, bro, than, than the coronavirus is fear. Yeah. A hundred percent. Bro. It's insane. Bro. It's, I'll, I'll share this with you. Um, Two things come to mind. One, if you haven't read it yet, uh, Ryan Holiday's new book, um, Courage is Calling, is a great book. Um, speaking about contagions, because courage, he talks about how courage is, con is contagious. Um, but the fear thing, I had this experience early on, and and we don't live, we don't live in fear, and, and we've, we've, 
navigated the pandemic with compassion. So I follow rules when I feel like I need to, to be respectful, but understanding that I'm just making that choice out of respect, not out of any, you know, logical other reason, um, like from a relationship standpoint. Sure. And, and, and I remember going to the store early on. And as I walked in the store, there was no barricades. There was no, it was just a regular entrance. I walk in the store. There's probably about 60% of the people are masked and I'm doing my grocery shopping. And this was early, early, like April or May of last year before everything shut down, maybe March before everything shut down. There's still a ton of questions. We didn't really know. And so I do my shopping and I'm watching everybody start like really keeping distance and like behaviors had changed. Go about my business. I leave the store. I'm loading up my groceries in my car. And I look back and the entrance that I went into an hour ago now has all these bike rack barricades and they've created a one way in and a one way out in, in the morning time that I was there. And I got like this tightness in my chest and I was like afraid. And I was like, what, what am I missing? Am I missing? Is there something happening? I don't know about why are they, why are they barricading the store? Why is there? And I caught myself and went, okay, wait. What has changed in the last 60 minutes? Wow. <laughs> Nothing. Wow. It, but like just that visual was enough for me to go, whoo, that's, and I feel like I'm relatively, and you know, aware yeah. of my emotions and how I feel, but it was like, I, I was like anxious. I had this total anxiety hit of like, the world's ending and then it was like whoa, whoa, whoa back up <laughs> it's still tuesday sun's still out the military's not showing up nobody's falling over in the street what's happening and i went home and i shared that experience with my wife and i said we need to be mindful of what's real and what we're seeing because what we're seeing isn't what's real we're mm. seeing these things and these people acting in ways that again, you know, you go back to like individuals, if you sat down with somebody at any number of these places and said, Hey, walk me through your mandate, walk me through your policies, walk me through the logic behind it. They'd be like, I'm just doing my job, bro. I don't have a clue. <laughs> well, uh, we got to stop living by default, man. We got to like, what's the intention behind this? And without getting into like conspiracies and stuff like that, because I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't ever pretend that I'll, I'll know what you know, how, how uh, coordinated or intentional or any of that, that is for me, it's like, just all I can do is control how I show up, how I raise my kids, what I do there. And so I, I really feel like conversations like this are super important to help people recognize, like, that's what you can control. You can choose out of fear. You can decide I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to keep doing my thing. And I feel like, and maybe you can speak to this because, um, I feel like over the last, not just two years, but over the last 25, 30 years, we've spent intentionally or otherwise a lot of, in a lot of ways, convincing the individual that they are dumb or they are not capable. And that if I need to do something, I have to talk to my doctor, my teacher, I have to get permission from my priest, whatever it is, right? Like, and, and I've discovered this has been a journey since we had our fourth, my fourth kid that my wife and I had, we had at home. And that was like, there's no effing way I'm having my kid at home. That was the most foreign idea to me. 
And then as I started doing research and started understanding the business of being born, I was like, yo, my grandparents were born at home. Like, like, why are we, why is that such a, a thing? And why am I so disempowered to do something God created me to do? Right. It just didn't make any sense, bro. What, where, how were people born before there were hospitals? Right. Like we have to have a doctor. Right. And a, and a third of the world, a third of the world still to this day. Yeah. Guess what? <laughs> right. hundred yeah. percent. We did it at home too. And it was the most amazing thing on the planet. We, she had like, um, she, you know, we had, we did the pool, the little, the little, uh, pool deal just, just when she was in, in, in labor yeah. and stuff, when she was like push mode, she got out of it and, and dude, she had the kid and, uh, uh, our, our midwife did her little checks, doom, check, 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 way, way, way measure. And, and dude, in two hours, it was me, my awesome wife and our kid chilling on the couch, bro. Yes. And we were happy as a clam bro just the way god intended it right but somehow we've gotten into this place where we feel like we are incapable of making normal regular human choices and and is so i guess my question is um if there's a question there's is that a lack of emotional intelligence or is there a way that we can develop that sort of mindset back out of that so so another topic that I, so I'm, I'm passionate about a, a few topics or I'm passionate about God. I'm passionate about uh, family. I'm passionate about uh, entrepreneurship. I'm passionate about people and I'm passionate about homeschooling. And, you know, we've been homeschooling now for, for a decade. Well, so I got, man, I got, this is going to open up a can, but uh, there's, there's so much programming. So I'm a public school guy. I went to public school and, and then I went to the, government school of all government schools <laughs> right? i went yeah, to west I mean, point right which is the say, we should talk about like you're a military guy so you're not like anti-america like no, I'm... Grad, army <laughs> that's right yep it yeah. was an airborne school ranger school did all you know 82nd airborne division all the stuff but the thing is right what does what does public school teach us and again i'm a public school guy what does it teach us it it prepares and, and Anybody who wants to research public school, go research the history of our public school system. It's not, this yeah. is not conspiracy and, oh, nobles doing some fringe. Look it up. The history of our freaking American education system yeah. is to create and stamp out followers, soldiers, and factory workers. Yeah. And think about all the, how, how our country, nation, people, how we've, how we have, you know, how technology has evolved, all this kind of stuff. What's the only thing that hasn't evolved in 50, 100 years is our education system. Yeah. It's the exact same. And when, why though? Because the they're methods are different. They've added computers, they've added certain things, but like the, the, the why behind the what has not changed. We're still stamping out followers yeah. and soldiers and, 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 you know, factory workers, so to speak. Right. So, yeah. because think about this. When our country was 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 founded, ninety some percent of the people were entrepreneurs, and the ones who yeah. weren't entrepreneurs were apprentices 
to learn how to become an entrepreneur. Yeah. Well, today it's I mean, it completely your name, right? It used to be like you were Smith because you were a blacksmith. Like you would take on your parents. Locksmith, right? Yeah, yeah whatever. It was like those things. Um, I don't know if you've ever read uh, Dumbing Us Down by John. Oh, bro. Come on, man. Oh, like yeah. Animal. Like, because you're pretty, that's what you're preaching, right? Like, 100%. When, when, when you get the letter from Andrew Carnegie that says, we have too many producers in society and we need to create consumers and then you look at where we're at 100 years later like you can't it's it's impossible to say this isn't what is happening and that was the book that was when we got into homeschooling my wife has always been very intuitive and very with her gut like she's like I don't want to take a COVID test because I don't trust it and I'm like well what is that based on she's like my gut and I'm like it doesn't hold a ton of water in you know like some conversations but your guts led us pretty well when she came to me and said, I want to pull the kids out of school and homeschool. I was like, you're out of your ever loving mind. Like I was a public school kid. I have a college degree. Like that's the path. How do they get jobs? How do they do this? How do they do that? And again, it's, it's always been that thing for me where I've always been a researcher and said, okay, well let me, I had never once thought about how did we all end up going to this building in this space that kind of looks like a prison. And so I started reading and I started looking and I was like, how did, and then you find out that like there were riots in the streets when they said, you must send your kid off to school. And you're like, how do, how do we get here? And so, you know, it took me that book and another book that he wrote called uh, Weapons of Mass Instruction. And I was done. I was like, this is a system and I'm not, I'm not one of those. It's like, we need to abolish public education. Cause there are lots of families that are sure too, too in it. And they couldn't do it at this moment. But my wife and I've made some choices that they're sacrifices, you know, kids, we watch all of our friends on, you know, August 1st kids off to school. I got the data myself. And my wife and I are like, well, you take those three. I'll take those three. <laughs> We don't have time to ourselves. We don't, we don't, we don't get that unless we're super intentional about it. But at the same time, like it breaks my heart to watch all those people celebrating their kids being not a part of their life for a large chunk of time. Cause it's like, man, I only got them for really 15, 16 years. Cause by the time they're 16 or 17, there's not a whole lot more I could pour into them. Yeah. Well, dude, so a hundred percent, right? And that's that's just one aspect. So I a hundred percent agree with you, dude. Do you want more family time or less family time, right? When you're yeah. on your deathbed, like, man, I, I I really regret all that time I had with my kid, right? Like, who ever says that? So, so, so that's one thing. The second thing is, it's eighteen thousand hours. If you go to public school from 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 kindergarten to 12th grade and maybe it's maybe my 18th no i think it's i'm pretty sure it's that's for, to high school I, I was thinking if it was extended into into college but i think the 18,000 hours is just through k through 12 18,000 hours yeah don't tell me that that they are not picking up some mindset and thought process and training 100% with 18,000 hours. And here's another thing that's crazy. So you got, I'm sure you're familiar with the 10,000 hour rule. 
right? Yeah. right all that stuff, right? So, yeah. you know, ta- the book talent is overrated. There's a lot of, a lot of great books. So, so I had 18,000 hours in public school. You had 18,000 hours in public school. What did we come out mastering? Yeah. Trauma. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. That's what right. I right. Right. Yeah. And so, and, and so I, I learned how to, I learned how to shut up. I learned how to, when a bell, little bell rings, I learned how to, yeah. oh, oh, that must be my time to, I get five yeah. minutes to go to the next class, sit my next class. Oh, the bell ring. Oh, that must be my lunchtime. I guess I'm hungry now at, at, at 11.45, yep. right? So there's a lot of programming. And again, don't tell me that you spent 18,000 hours doing something that you're not getting programmed. I, yeah. you don't, I, I don't need some PhD to tell me, right? So, so. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the, 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 and honestly, so that's one of the reasons why we chose a homeschool is number one, we wanted to instill for us, we want to instill biblical principles. Number two, we wanted uh, uh, our kid to learn how to think. So to learn how to think critically. And number three, we wanted to teach her how to be an entrepreneur because, you know, that's, we've been entrepreneurs for 25 years and we want to teach her kids and they don't teach entrepreneurship in, in public school. I mean, in college, they're starting to do that, but like, some eighth grader, seventh grader is not learning how to do that. By the time my daughter was, by the time she was 11, she'd already had four businesses. Yeah. Right. So that, and, and, and so the, the outcome, the product that we were wanting to create, so to speak, in terms of when our kid was, was graduating was, a, 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 was, you know, a biblically founded, biblically principle based critical thinker who, if she wanted to have her own business, she would already know how to do that. And thank God we've, homeschool because yeah. we're on track she's got four more years and she'll be done but she's on track for that awesome. yeah and and i mean i love that because that's that's the choice is that's the choice that we made early on the biblically founded part was not a part of that um it was the different different journey um but I, i'm curious because i read somewhere i was starting to find in my notes but you had written you had you one of the things you talk about is like what child what did your childhood teach you right um and it's one of the topics you often talk about and this aligns with that because like i look at my time in school was not emotionally stable it wasn't safe it wasn't and it's not that things need to be safe because i'm all about being at the edge of your comfort zone like you should be slightly uncomfortable all the time but that's different than safety bro but it's different than safety right so like because I hear people go, oh, well, I won't do that because it doesn't bring me joy. And I'm like, well, that's great, but right, it doesn't happen in a joyful space. 100%. You got to get outside of that like mentality. But you should be safe. You should feel as if, you know, because like one of the things I talk about a lot is vulnerability and how you can't be vulnerable unless you're willing to get hurt because you're going you're gonna to get hurt, even if it's just unpacking some things and coming to some realizations hurt doesn't have to be bad it can be part of that growth process right and and so i'm really curious like what your thoughts are like because there's and it's like we, we talk about all these things and my mind is racing um but gay hendrix wrote a book called the big leap and in that book he says talks about upper limits and and uh limiting beliefs and all these things and he says in that book that children are perfect observers and imperfect interpreters. So we see all that stuff happening, right? So people will tell you, well, no teacher is teaching a child to break his spirit. 
No, they're not teaching them that, but they're showing them that. They're modeling that behavior over and over and over. Creativity is bad. Get in line and do what you're told. Don't question authority because it's a, it's a, it's a fool's errand kind of thing. So we're not teaching them that verbally. It's not in any textbook anywhere, but it kind of goes back to like a, a few good men, right? Like show me in the book where the mess hall is. Well, it's not in the book. You just know where to go eat. <laughs> like, so show me in the book where it says that you're, you know, you're a worthless C student and that's all you're going to be. Well, it's not in the book, but that's what you've taught me for 12 years. Boom. Right. So one of the other things that you learn in, in public school system is that an, that an F is bad. Well, right. what, what, Failure what, is bad. Right. Right. And as an entrepreneur, we've been entrepreneurs for 25 years. Dude, as an entrepreneur, dude, failure is my professor. Yeah. Failure is my is one of my courses. That's not yeah. why is that? That's not bad for me. That's how I freaking stay alive is it, it, and feed my family is by oh failing. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, I need to must I must yeah. need to do it this way. Oh no, no, not that. Well, that partly worked. Okay, so let me keep right. So as as an entrepreneur, bro, failure. I, and so so we what we started doing is our, is when our daughter was like three or four. In our house, is we celebrate failure. One of the one of the things that I said, I, I had a one of a nightly routine with my daughter when she was a little kid. I call it cuddle ops. And during cuddle ops, when we you know when I yeah. tuck her in the tuck her in the bed and stuff, um, we cuddle in bed. And I say, okay, I'm old. How you know? How, I'd ask her a series of questions. And one of the questions I'd ask her is, how how did you fail today? And 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 if she didn't have an answer for me, okay, well let's go fail at something right now. Let's go fail at something, yeah. right? You're and and I said, if you didn't fail. Right. And, and then I said, OK, now, what do we learn? What do we learn from that? Right. And, and I, I, I want to take the bite out of failure, the, the pain, the bite. No failure. It's just like emotions. Right. We've been taught emotions are bad and good. No, no, no. Emotions are just data. It's just information. It's just it. it's just signals, signals. Right. It's 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 a but most of us have never learned to read our P&L statement, our profit and loss statement, our balance sheet of emotions. So we think, oh, oh, these are these ones are bad ones. And these are good. No, 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 no. It's just data. data. Yeah, what, what, you know what I'm saying? What is this data teaching us and informing us? You know what I'm saying? No, that's so good. That's uh, I love it because first of all, I love the term cuddle ops, and I'm totally taking that from you. <laughs> um, that is so good. And and I mean, I almost lost my marriage over fail. I mean, a couple of reasons, but one of them was failure because we got into an entrepreneurial situation where I was really struggling to find my identity and through the course of this business failing i kept i kept hanging on i mean i didn't get paid for like the last six months that it was in existence because i kept telling my wife i can't let this fail i can't let this fail instead of going because if it failed i was a failure and instead of going man this thing fell apart fast time to move on right i was i was idle i just had it was all these different layers and and so one of the things now that we do in our entrepreneurial stuff, when we talk and we bring on new business partners is you have to learn how to fail fast. Failure is not a, a, a bad thing. Right. And, and that was another reason why I wanted to homeschool. I was like, the last thing I want to do is start to grade, give my kids arbitrary letters to define their self-worth because it has nothing to do with it. Like, you know, and, and it's just, it's such a fascinating thing. So what, what are your thoughts on like, how do we, how do we, um, 
move people past that into like releasing the shame of whatever that was that they went through because all of us have trauma all of us have stuff you know some of us drank some of us weren't good husbands some of us you know were too violent some of us whatever are dyslexic i don't know i mean it runs the gamut right and and some of us have poor political beliefs that we've changed or whatever it is but like i feel like there's i honestly think for me from my perspective the idea of cancel culture is why people don't honor their mistakes own their mistakes because like you know if i say I was an alcoholic. I didn't honor my marriage. I wasn't present for the first three or five years that we were married. And I almost like, if I say that now to some of my, you know, quote unquote woke friends, it doesn't matter that the last 15, 18 years of my marriage have been really good. What matters is that I had to remarry. I had to do my vows over with my wife and go, you know what? I've, I've not honored these. Let's let's can I get a do-over? Yeah. And she had the grace to give me that. And so many people would have said and did tell her you should leave him. You shouldn't stay with him. You shouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, this is bad. And if it was that situation today, I, I can almost guarantee we wouldn't be together. Right. And I just don't know how we help people recognize like how flawed we all are. Yeah. And how easy it is, how much easier it is to go, okay, I screwed up let's let's figure out how to fix it let's figure out how to work through it instead of just all right i'm done with you i'll go find someone else and somehow think that they're gonna not screw up or i'm gonna not screw up right that's right yeah so so my my thoughts is 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 through a couple things one is through modeling so we we have to demonstrate it Mm -hmm. oh well i i don't i don't um you know, I, hey, hey, you know, Keith, well, I, I don't like bald guys. So so the fact that you're bald, man, it's not my jam. But dude, let's let's keep hanging out and talking. I, like I can, you know, I can see or you've I don't like guys with black rim glasses. I only like guys with white rim glasses. Like, what you know, change? I have some clear ones. If, if that's right. <laughs> right, but we still we still hang like, dude, Jesus, man, he hung out. I, that's why I, I love that dude, right? Because he, he hung out with yeah. the tax collectors and the prostitutes, prostitutes and the and the murderers. And this guy hung out. He hung out in the bars, right? Yeah. And it's like he and he says, right? I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. I 100%. came for the people that are jacked up. You know what I'm saying? So so like this whole concept of like you know. So anyway, so modeling is one thing. That is one way to do it is to model the behavior that is is healthy and and in my opinion, you know, and, and the, the, the golden rule, right? Uh, uh, love your neighbor. Uh, and so the, but the second thing is, for me, one of the things that I'm that I'm trying to do, right, is is to teach people how to increase their emotional intelligence and, and, uh, and, and learning. So, so the younger generation, especially over the last couple of years, right? emotional health and mental health and stuff has never been talked about more in history because of, you know, since COVID and all that kind of stuff the last couple of years. So a lot of people have become self-aware of oh, like, Oh, I'm feeling some kind of way or whatever, which is, which is great. But here's I, I, the psychologist, 40 year old, this 40 year psychologist said it is actually unhealthy to only have self-awareness and not have any self-management skills. 
not have any self-regulation skills. It's actually more harmful. So if you if if you're if you don't have either one, which was me, I didn't four years ago. I had I was completely emotionally clueless. I had no self-awareness. I had no self-management tools. So for me, I started my growth journey learning both at the same time, learning my self-awareness. Okay, well, how am I feeling all this kind of stuff? But also, okay, well, how do I regulate? How do I how do I manage my emotions? Not just, oh, yeah, I'm aware that I'm sucking like a Kirby vacuum and I'm just going to suck like a Kirby vacuum. Like, okay, but okay, but now how do I how do I handle these uncomfortable, unpleasant, intense emotions? Well, as, it's like jits, right? I, I, I do jujitsu and and, and yeah, so so if 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 you and my you and me are rolling and you don't know how to roll, you're you're gonna you're you're gonna be look kind of stupid, like uh, uh dude, I don't know what to do. I'm just gonna hug you, which is what I did when I first started. I just like I, I'm I just know how to hug you, bro. Like that's all I got. Right? That's my only move, right, right? right? And so, but when you and, and what happens is when and, and we call it the white belt as for for people that that are doing jujitsu, like there's. The white belts, they come in with their survival mechanism, which is fight, flight, or freeze. When you're engaged in that kind of one-on-one combat, I call it combat cuddles, um, what, what happens is you get into that emotional state of, oh, crap, I'm in combat with this guy, and obviously you signed up to fight, so you're you're in fight mode. But they, they, they immediately, so many of them do, start to immediately hyperventilate and use all their muscles. And I'm like, hey, guys, look. I'm I'm literally twice your age and and my blood pressure hasn't gone up at all, bro. Right. Right. I'm cool as a cucumber. I'm cool as pond water right now, bro, because my breathing is calm. Right. I'm, I'm, and, and when you do that, right, I'm in control. I said, me, I can think of a hundred moves I can do right now. You're only thinking of one move you can do right now, and that's hugging me or whatever you're trying to do to me right now. Right. And so when, and so, but the, this, that's a life principle. When you learn emotional jujitsu moves, when, when this emotion comes at you, anger, when the anger move comes at you or the sadness move or the depression move comes at you. Oh, oh, I, I know how to handle when I'm trying to get, if Keith's trying to rear naked choke me, oh, I know how to defend that. So I'm not going to spaz out. Yeah. I, 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 oh, okay. God. Oh, he's going for a rear naked. Oh, he's going for an armbar. Okay, here's how I defend that. Oh, he's going for a kamor. Oh, here's how I, I know how to defend that. When you know those moves, there's no stress, right? Yeah. You can go through that role, life, calm, cool, because you know how to deal with those moves. Yeah. If you don't have that emotional jujitsu, dude, you're gonna stress out over the smallest stuff to mask or not to mask, to vax or not to vax. I know that move, so I'm not going to stress out. Yeah. What do you What do you say to people? Or let me rephrase that. I guess because what I guess I'm hearing you say is one, it's okay to have the feeling. It's okay to have the emotion, right? Dude, a hundred percent. Because it's like I know how to defend against this, but what you didn't say was eliminate. Right? I know how to defend against it. I know how to allow it in. Let me roll with you for a minute, and then I'm going to push you up out the way. And I'm going to move on, right? And so there's this concept out there, I think, culturally that like we, that which does not bring me joy, I'm not going to give any energy to. And it's like, well, that's cute. That makes it great for a great meme, but let's apply that in real life. Because, you know, 
I've, I've got a three-year-old who at midnight last night started throwing up. That does not bring me joy. And right. every 60 to 90 minutes until seven o'clock this morning, she threw up. Oh, does not bring me joy. But you bet your ass that I leaned into that and cuddled on her and loved on her and just said, hey, let's figure this out. And that's how we bond, right? And so like this idea that like, I can't do anything if it doesn't bring me joy would lend someone to believe then that if I feel sadness, depression, anger, frustration, intimidation, now all of a sudden I'm failing at my stated goal of living this peaceful life. And so then it's like, like we it's almost like we have to normalize the information, and you said this earlier, like, it's just data. Like, and if you can look at it that way, you can go, okay, this is sadness. What caused sadness? And I probably can't eliminate that because I, I can't eliminate my daughter who brought me anger from waking me up in the middle of the night. So how do I manage that? How do I look at that and go, okay, well, yes, I'm angry and so a couple things so the the quick one the quick answer is anger is always a secondary emotion it's always a secondary emotion it's never the emotion it's all there's always something that you felt that led to the anger so that's really important and just knowing that okay i'm angry right now okay well there's something led to that so what was that so that's number one but but i've got a, a little system that i that i that i you talk about and teach and whoever will listen to me, I call it go aped, A-P-E-D. The reason I call it go aped is because I use the analogy when I was, the, the we all, so a couple of things about our childhoods to kind of go back to that one is, we, we you everyone leaves their childhood with emotional baggage. Everybody, lottie daddy, everybody, even if you had leave it to beaver childhood, you 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 still yeah. have have emotional baggage. The second, the, the, the second thing about um, uh, uh, childhoods is, all of us, 100% of human beings learn and get our emotional foundation from our childhoods, period. Good, bad, traumatic, not traumatic, doesn't matter. All of us, our emotional foundation comes from our childhoods. Okay, so that's that. For me, in my house, my mom's a four foot ten little Hispanic lady. My dad was a big giant white guy. So I, I popped out looking like my dad, but my mom raised me speaking Spanish and stuff so I can habla and everything. And in our house, my mom, we call her the Tasmanian angel because she's the only grandma I know that actually wears out the grandkids. Like she does two a days of Zumba. She's hard as woodpecker lips, man. She's, she's no joke. And so, and so the way we handled conflict growing up as a, as a kid was we'd yell and scream at each other and whoever yelled the loudest one. And then we, we, we all get upset and pissed off at each other. We'd all stomp off in our respective corners of the house, come back an hour later and literally act like nothing happened. Like, oh, hey, what's for dinner? Oh, hey, what, uh, who's playing on the uh, in football this weekend? Like, completely no acknowledgement of feelings and emotions, zero conflict resolution, zero apologies, nothing, right? right? Go away, pack it all up in a bag, stuff it down, and <laughs> boom. So, so, so I, I have, I, I could write books on how to stuff, avoid, stew, and brood. I've got PhDs in that stuff, bro. Right? I, I know how to stuff and yep, avoid yep. all day long. So, so boom. So that's how I became an adult having no concept of emotions and feelings. I, I learned as a kid how to stuff all that down. Okay. So now here's, so as now, when you're a kid, when you're two and three and, and four and see, here's the other thing too, this, we experience emotions 
before we have the language to express them. Yes. You're one, you're two, you're, you're, you're experiencing emotions, yeah. right? But, but you don't have the words to know, oh, I feel frustrated, right? Well, you don't know, fr- yeah. right? No, so, but you're when you're a kid, you stuff. <laughs> that, that's exactly right. So yeah. as a kid stuffing and avoiding, it was a cute, furry, fuzzy little monkey that I would lock in the basement, right? So every time I'd get an emotion or emotional injury, I'd feed the little monkey and lock him back in the basement. Well, when you do that for four decades of stuffing and avoiding, stuffing and avoiding, emotional injury on top of emotional injury on top of emotional injury, pretty soon that cute, furry, fuzzy little monkey turns into an 800-pound gorilla that I can no longer control in the basement. And I yelled at my wife three times in three weeks, five years ago, and she said three things. Don't ever do that again. You've never done that before, which means you got more issues than Time Magazine. Right. And so, so boom, went to counseling and the counselor introduced me to two revolutionary new concepts called feelings and emotions. And I was like, what is this like, is this some Harry Potter voodoo sorcery business? Like what are you talking about? (laughs) Right. So, uh, so anyway, and so, so the go ape thing. So that's how the ape, right. From a cute fuzzy little monkey to an 800 pound gorilla. So when you go ape, this is an emotional exercise that I encourage Lottie Dottie, everybody to use whenever you want to. This is a tool, an emotional, this is an emotional five mile run. This is an emotional CrossFit workout that I'm about to give you that the more frequently you can apply it, the emotionally healthier you're going to be. So, and, and I, and I, this is big too with the emotional fitness concept is just like with PT, right, with physical fitness and, and, and working out, you can't work out once a year and expect to have a six pack, you, 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 right? But it's same. But but how many of us have an emotional fitness program? Yeah. None of us do. And we wonder, man, I wonder why I'm so jacked up emotionally. Well, it's because you're not, you know, you never go to the emotional fitness gym, right? Yeah. So, so go eight is an exercise that people can apply every day. Okay, here's what it is. So A is acknowledge. Acknowledge the emotions that you're feeling. Now, if you had told me that five years ago, I'm like, okay, I, I know I have two. So I have two emotional vocabulary words called happy and sad and angry. Those are the only three words I know emotions, right? So you get this thing. I'm going to show you this real quick. It's called the emotion wheel. Boom. The emotion wheel. You can print it out on, on Google. Just print it out. And stick it up on your refrigerator, stick it up in your office, wherever you're at. Boom, the emotion wheel. Because, dude, I didn't know, again, I had no emotional vocabulary, right? Which is part of emotional intelligence is being able to accurately describe your emotions, which 68% of people cannot accurately identify their emotions in any given setting. So, boom, so this is one, how to acknowledge your emotions, emotion wheel. The second way, the second tool that I recommend to people is I use with all my coaching clients, my executive, my leadership clients and stuff. It's an app called the mood meter, the mood meter app. It's 99 cents on the, on the app store. It's not mine. I don't know whose it is, but it's fire and it helps begin growing your emotional awareness and your emotional management uh, because it's not just what you're feeling, but why are you feeling that? So that's the A, acknowledge your feelings, put down all your emotions and feelings. Because if you don't, the, the way the brain works, you have to name it to tame it. You have to name it to tame it. If you can't name it, and that emotion is just bouncing around inside of you, it's going. that's what causes stress and anxiety. Inside of us is an unnamed 
emotion. Yeah. It becomes an emotional knot in our emotional muscles that haven't been a, 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 a massaged. If we don't massage that emotional knot, it's going to turn into an emotional charlie horse, and you're going to get emotionally hijacked, and nothing productive happens when we're when we're when we're emotionally hijacked and emotionally triggered. Okay, so A A is acknowledge. P is permission. This big psychologist, 40-year psychologist, said that it takes the body 60 to 90 seconds to feel an emotion. So now once you've labeled, you've done a list of all those emotions, now start at the top, set your timer on your phone, your watch, 60 to 90 seconds. Okay, I'm feeling angry right now. Allow yourself 60 seconds or 90 seconds, whichever you need, to feel angry for 60 to 90 seconds. What's it feel? Man, I'm so angry. Man, I'm so, I'm I'm so mad. I'm so angry right now. Allow that for 60 90 seconds. The alarm goes off. Boom. Now go to the next emotion on that list. Sad. I'm also feeling really sad. Okay, I'm going to feel sad. What does sad feel like? I'm going to let myself feel sad for 60 to 90 seconds. Boom. Alarm goes off. Feel the next one, etc., etc., etc. When you allow when you give yourself permission to feel that emotion, you're must you're allowing your mind and your body to massage that emotional knot so that it doesn't turn into a charley horse. Okay, E. E is express. There's lots of research, lots of, uh, of, of background yeah. study on expressing yeah. your emotions through journaling. There's a lot of power in journaling, a lot of different ways to, do, to journal, but journaling. And then the D is discuss. Discuss your emotions and feelings with somebody else. Now, that's also tricky because you've got to find somebody that's not judgmental and that is also safe. And if you're not safe and comfortable with your own emotions, big, strong emotions, pleasant and unpleasant emotions, you're not going to be safe or comfortable with somebody else's big, strong emotions, uncomfortable, unpleasant emotions as well. So that's why this is one of my favorite quotes. Emotionally healthy people help heal other people emotionally. Love it. I love it. And that's like, a really clear, applicable thing. I want to ask you a question to the acknowledge piece. I'll, I've had a lot of people talk about how, like, I don't want to own, I don't want to claim, I don't want to name. There's this sort of cultural idea that if we give it a name, we're giving it power. And only recently have I noticed, maybe it's been happening more, but you, you work in this space more than I do. Only recently have I noticed people recognizing the power in, if I name it, I'm actually taking its power. I'm not giving Bro, it. Bro, so check this out. So so you, you are 100% correct. If you don't name it, trust, let's just see how, let me ask you, how's that working for you, right? Yeah. How's it work? Like, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you where that's going to go. In fact, here's here's a couple more quotes. Pain and bitterness that's not transformed will be transferred somewhere else in your life. Yeah. Pain and bitterness that's not transformed will be transferred somewhere else in your life. The next thing, so to answer your question, here's something to realize about emotions. You are not your emotions. Mm. I am not angry. I am not sad. I am not depressed. I am not suicidal. I may feel sad, I may feel angry, I may feel depressed, but our feelings and emotions change all the time. They yeah. they change minute by minute. So it, it is you you 
you need to name your emotions, but that does not mean that you are your emotions. Very different. They are not your identity. Yeah. Your emotions are not your identity. Yeah, I love that. Um, so then the other thing that came to my mind when you talked about aped is discuss. And that's the trickiest one for, I think, a lot of people. I love to talk. My wife doesn't listen to my podcast because she's like, honey, I hear you talk all day. I don't need to, I don't need to drive in the car and listen to you talk to other people more. I have no problem discussing how I feel. I'm an open book. If you ask me a question, I'm going to probably tell you more than you really wanted to know. But there's a lot of people who have a hard time doing that. And then the flip side of that is, I believe you'll, you'll agree with me in this, but discussing it with the person who's probably the perpetrator of the thing isn't always the best idea to go to your spouse or your partner, or your kid and go, you drive me crazy. You did this, you did that, you did, right? Like, so just in using this tool, like find a, it's almost like an accountability partner, but not right. Like it's a person who can be a sounding board and you can not necessarily dump on, but discuss, right? Cause so many times we just dump on people and okay, thanks for listening. I'm out. <laughs> and there's no right. conversation. Sure. Right. No, absolutely. So, so, so to, to your first part of that, absolutely. There are going to be more people, you know, so, so the introverts, extroverts model, right? So you've got introverts yeah. are going to be less apt or less comfortable in, in, in opening up maybe than, than an extrovert will. And again, that's a generalization. I know there's exceptions to everything, Yeah, yeah of course. Um, but so, so, for, so here's what I would tell somebody that is very, very private and, and I respect and understand that privacy that that there are some people that like hey dude I'm, I'm a vault and i'm not letting anybody in okay got it so that's and there's there's probably a reason that that is that extreme right there's that's an aspect of eq or emotional unhealthiness that could be going on there but here's what i would tell them is at least do ape right at least do the ape part and still express yourself but just do it through writing yeah. and, and it, but it does take it to a whole nother level of healing uh, if you are able to find somebody that that you do trust that is safe with your, you know, some of your bigger or more intense emotions, and just allows you to express and and hold that same space with you, and not you know judge or 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 try to fix you, but just because because do check this out. This is this is money. There's so much catharsis, bro, and healing in just validating and affirming somebody else's emotions okay. because there's so dude there's so much therapy dude in just this right here do i feel like keith sees me hears me and understands me do what can i just answer can i get a yes for all three of those questions dude if yeah. i can just get a yes for all three of those questions then then that's healing i and I, notice I didn't say agrees with me. Yeah. I don't I don't need Keith to agree with me that I think bald guys are cool. I don't I don't need yeah. you to agree with me on that. But do I feel like you hear me, understand me and and see me and value me just just for who I am exactly where I'm at without trying yeah. to put lipstick on a pig or or any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um 
there's so much therapy dude in just that right there yeah no i think there's i i agree with you there's there's a ton of value in that and i know when i first started really learning about how to express myself and how to feel things i mean i spent so much of my time up until the time i got sober blaming everyone else for my problems and parents co-workers bosses wife kids and and having all these explosions and anger and frustration and and it wasn't until i was able to really sort of start to express how i felt and really started digging in that i realized oh i'm in control of who i am and what what i am but like the the unpacking of all of that and navigating that with my spouse and even with my kids i mean I've gone to my kids multiple times, even like with, we, we started this conversation kind of about, you know, church and, and Jesus and all that. I had to go to my oldest kids who were old enough to know and remember and say, I'm sorry, I've led you astray through my own pride, my own arrogance and, and modeled for them that vulnerability of like, I'm, I'm human. I, I don't get it. And, and the, the number of things that I've learned from my kids, you know, I have six daughters and the amount of value they put on what I say makes zero sense to me because I'm, I'm, I'm just some big idiot trying to figure it all out myself. But man, I've learned that like I have to be careful what I say around my girls because they put a tremendous amount of value in what dad says. And, and despite my best efforts to convince them I don't know anything, um, they, they don't listen very well. And, and so the other thing that you said that I want to drive home for people who are listening is that I think that modeling piece that you talked about, I think that's tremendously undervalued in what that means because just in my own upbringing and raising my own kids and experiencing things through my church and through different jobs that I've held and coworkers and teams I've been on, it doesn't matter what people say. It matters what they do and, and watching them we're always watching, right? And there's that meme floating around Instagram right now. That's like, you know, you might get 10 likes on a picture, but your story gets 300 views and it's because nobody likes you, but everybody's watching you. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and it's, there's some truth to that. Like what we do is modeling for others, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, where we stand. Um, so I love it, man. Such good stuff. Such good stuff. Um, I want to, I want to ask you, you posted on Instagram, the right question at the right time can change someone's life. And so I want to ask you if you remember what that question was for you. Dude, I, I, I've had, I, I collect questions. I'm, I'm a, I'm a question junkie, dude. I, I so, love. This is why we get along so well. <laughs> That's right. 100%. So, so there have been, dude, there have been so many, and I thank God for this. So many rightly timed questions that have unlocked that next little step for me, next little step for me. And I, I will tell you, so a, a recent, so just yesterday I was interviewed by a lady. She's a psychologist here in Colorado near Boulder. And she asked me a few different questions that I have never been asked before. And, you know, again, for, for, for me, it's, it's so fascinating. So like number one, I love the question itself, right? Just the the power of of a question, the art of 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 a rightly timed, rightly delivered 
question. But the next thing that I I also jump onto is how did you how did you come up with that? Mm-hmm. Right? Where did that come from? Like, so I like I need to chew on the question you asked because it's fire and I can't, I don't have an answer right now. I need to chew on that. But like, how on how on earth did you come up with that? Like, where did that where did that come from? I had like I have question envy, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I want to develop that level of, of of insight and depth and you know richness where where I can I can really come up with some powerful deep you know introspective questions that can really really challenge people and really get the the blood moving and stuff. So anyway, um, and, and and so what what has been a, a recent question? Uh, Oh, okay. So this is the first one. That and then she asked like three or four of them, which just one of them was fire. But one of them she said was, what was it like being you as a child? And and I was like, I, I just, I had never thought about what it was like being me as a child. And, and you know, obviously in the context was, you know, because I had told her, you know, I, I, I've i been a people pleaser addict for, for my, you know, for all my entire life, except for four years ago, I've been a emotionally needy, I've been emotionally codependent, I've been toxic positivity, I've had self condemnation, self hatred, insecurity, imposter syndrome, d- some depression, yeah. some suicidal stuff. I've those and that's just the, my starter kit of emotional dysfunction, right? I got Yeah, yeah, I, I've got and wait, there's more. Um, and, and so in that context, she's like, well, dude, based on all of that, what was it like being you as a child with that, with that, you know, cocktail, cocktail. of emotional yeah. dysfunction? 100%. So anyway, it was, it just hit me sideways. I was like, wow, man, I, I got to think about that. So anyway, that was the, yeah. and again, there was a few more, um, you know, another one for, from the country perspective, she's like, what? Let's see, what was it? She's, it was something like, what principle do you value the most in our country? You know what I mean? Like, like yeah, yeah. as, and, and I, you know, and, and again, I had, I had to chew it up for a hot second. Now I had, a, I had an answer for me. It's, it's freedom, right? It was, yeah. was liberty and freedom for me was the principle that came up for me. But I just thought that was kind of an interesting an interesting question, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that caught my eye because I, I, I'm a genuinely curious person. It's the reason I do this. So, um, and, and it made me think I love thought provoking things and I spend a lot of my social media energy. If it's not sharing what's happening with my family or my kids asking questions because I, you know, we're all reflections of our own biases and stuff. But like, for me, it's, those are the things that force you to look deeper. And I feel like the more we, I can, if I can help impact someone else's life in a way that causes them to look, look deeper and to discover things about themselves. Like I, when I wrote my book, um, I, I titled it choose different instead of choose better. I had a few people like, Oh, it should be choose better. And I was like, I don't know what's better or worse. I don't, we don't know what the outcome is. We only control the action. We don't control the result. Mm. So for me, it was like, I don't want to encourage people to choose better. 
I want them to choose just choose different. Like if your life sucks, that's your fault because you made those choices. So just make different ones and let's see, let's see where it goes, right? Trust the process, trust in him, choose differently. Um, so I love that question that you pose is like the right question at the right time can really have impact. And so I feel like that encourages people to be curious, to be open, to continue dialogue. Because by asking people questions, you're inviting answers you may not want to hear. Right. Right. Forcing you to be vulnerable. And, and so I just loved, I love that post. So here's a question for you. Okay. How can you, so I'm going to, I'm going to ask it two different ways. How can you master curiosity? Okay. That's one question. The second question is, how can you develop your curiosity to become world class at it? Mm. Both very good questions. I think master. So they both require some thought, but I'll I'll give you the top of mind sort of answer. So how do I master curiosity? How can you, how can you master it? Hmm. So for me, the thing that comes to me is, is really remaining open, right? So there's an emotional component to that of if I have questions that come to my mind, um, being courageous enough to ask them out loud, right? Um, I think working towards that, it, to me, it almost comes back to like seeking understanding, right? Like there's so much that happens in the world I don't get, I don't, I don't like. Um, but I, I heard once that we fear that which we don't understand. And so that sort of triggered me into like, well, what happens if I seek understanding? What happens if I seek to not agree? Like you said, like, I don't have to agree with you, but help me understand why you think that that political ideology is better than the others, or that's the one that you think is the best. And that to me requires sort of radical curiosity and, and the courage to ask the question. Because there's a lot of things I think that I don't ask. <laughs> like, oh, sure. Oh, let's go piss them off. That's going to, I don't, I don't know. Um, and then what was this? the second one was how do you, how do you use it like on a world-class level? No. How can you, how can you take your curiosity to a world-class level? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Because if though, and, and here's why. Here, so why did I ask? Here's why I asked. So, if if you already have a gift and a superpower at curiosity, you know. So so here's one of my tattoos. You know, for those folks that are listening on on the you know your podcast, but there's a gift that's on fire on my on my left hand here okay and it's second timothy one six and seven is the is on my knuckles and it's fan into flame the gift that god has given you verse seven for we have not been given a spirit of timidity or of fear but of power of love and a sound mind so if that's already one of the gifts you're one of your superpowers how can you take that gift and superpower and make it make it world-class yeah i'd like to think that that's sort of so i started this podcast 
March of last year, uh, under under um, protest. I th- there's there's seven million podcasts in the world. I mean, you've got one. Your wife's got one. Like everybody and their brother's got a podcast. Uh, my church has two. <laughs> like everybody's got a podcast. And I was in a I was in a seminar uh, workshop in December prior. And we were talking about core values and gifts and purpose and sort of things like that. And I really kind of struck me that like, I feel like for me coming from a dysfunctional family, you know, everybody does to some extent, but coming from a dysfunctional family, parents were divorced. Dad was remarried three times. Mom passed away when I was three because she was murdered. Like all these things that led me to being an alcoholic, not taking accountability for myself, Mm -hmm. really blaming the world for my pain. And overcoming that and being married to the same person for 25 years, having a bunch of kids who, you know, homes and all those things, I was like, I feel like I have a message that I can share with people through the idea of like, if I'm continually open to how do I improve and how do I understand others? And it just kept coming to me like, you got to do a podcast. And I was just like, I don't want to do a podcast. I don't want to. Like, there's just so much noise. Like, how does it get found? Right. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, it was, I have to do this. Mm-hmm. So I did, and I launched it. And I'm a, like this, depending on when this episode airs, it'll probably be episode 170 or 175, you know? And so I'm two years in doing doing this thing. No, a year and a half. And, and I get letters and I get people that are like, you changed this path for me. You did. So it's like, I have is that world-class? I don't know. Not yet, but it's impactful. Right. <laughs> right. So, um, I think that that's kind of how I feel about that. Like, that's where I kind of feel like that's headed. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I'll be honest, when I first started doing my podcast, I was asking my wife, I was like, what'd you think? She's like, babe, I don't listen. Like I was hurt. I was like, what do you mean? You know, this? like, this is my, this is my project. This is my thing. And she was like, I hear you talk all day. I don't need to listen to you anymore. And like my own insecurities were like, well, if my own wife doesn't listen, who else is going to listen? Right. But that, that doesn't mean anything because we're in the same bed together every night. She hears all, she, she knows all this stuff. She hears. Um, and she knows like when she heard I was talking to you, um, she was looking at your Instagram with me and she was like, man, I want to, I, I want to hear what this guy has to say. Like, so she doesn't listen to me. She'll listen to other, <laughs> listen to other people. She's like, Oh, this one looks good. Or like, <laughs> you know, all of you friends of ours. And she's like, Oh, what did Eddie have to say? And I'm like, I need the numbers. Don't bother me to that. So that's awesome. I will tell you the question that, that, that came into my mind when I read this on your Instagram was someone asked me years and years ago, probably 10, 15 years ago, if I was living my life by default or with intention Mm. and a hundred percent it was by default Mm. it was just wake up go to work do the thing have a few beers come home try not to get divorced but it wasn't like with the intention of being a present father having a thriving marriage you know impacting people's lives in a positive way it was just trying to get through it yeah and, and that question for me shifted everything, mm. everything. 
Wow. So I think it's a powerful thought that the right question at the right time can really change somebody because it's a, from my experience, it's a hundred percent true. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool, man. I think this is a really great place to wrap up. You crushed it. I had the best time. And Dude, likewise, bro. So great meeting you, Keith. Yeah, so same. great meeting you.